0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the No Lang Up podcast. I believe only the second emergency podcast in No Lang Up podcast history. Solly here, DJ Pie is here. Hello, DJ. Hey, what was the first one? Uh, when the players got canceled because of COVID. Oh, right. That we did an I emergency thought. pod that That night. was a biggie. TC this is, like is the here. Reverse of that, yeah. <laughs> TC is here.
2: I'm here. Free agency is upon us. <laughs> Scott <laughs> Boris is 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 entering the room. It is a- TC's
0: phone is blowing up with multiple offers coming in all over the place. The worst possible timing was we were all at dinner downtown or down here in Atlantic Beach, and the news came out. Before we get to it, no laying up is brought to you by our friends at Precision Pro Golf, the official rangefinder. Of NLU, Precision Pro wants to make sure every swing you make is a confident one. Their lineup offers rangefinders for every skill level at an unbeatable price. The award-winning best value rangefinder, the NX7 Pro Slope, is your classic point-and-shoot upgraded with lightning-quick internals. Or if you want the experience of a caddy on your bag, take a look at the R1 Smart Rangefinder with advanced features like wind assist, GPS to front, middle, and back, and personalized slope-adjusted distances. With industry-leading customer service, the team at Precision Pro wants to make sure that improving your game is the only thing on your mind. When you call or have a question, a fellow golfer is there to answer it. This golf season, take the next steps and upgrade your game by adding Precision Pro to your bag. Head to your local Dick's Sporting Goods or Golf Galaxy to see their rangefinders or go to PrecisionProGolf.com. Save $20 with code NOLANGUP. Dial in your distances and take guessing yardages out of your game with Precision Pro golf will they be able to use range finders I knew that was coming really yeah, took the I words knew, right out of my I mouth. knew Did that you. question was coming I have I would like to re- start tonight by reading something here and I'm not I don't get to T.C. all hot and bothered it will not be the list of the players just yet oh, but we will we <laughs> will be we just go down the list <laughs> we will be reading a list here but I have a statement here it says over the past several months there's been a great deal of speculation about an alternative tour much of which seems to have included me and my future in professional golf I feel it is now time to put such speculation to rest. I am fully committed to the PGA Tour, all caps. More on that later. I am grateful for the opportunity to play on the best tour in the world and for all it has provided provided me and my family. While there will always be areas where our tour can improve and evolve, I am thankful for our leadership and the many sponsors who make the PGA Tour golf's premier Tour and you, and you have six weeks to, to fix those things. Otherwise, I'm out. This was February 20th of 2022. That is a statement on behalf of Dustin Johnson tweeted from PGA Tour Comms. which now I am led to believe this was never, like DJ never even checked this. Like they just posted, they're like, oh, he'll never <laughs> audit this. We're just going to say this and hope it stands because. I think they doubled their offer. It is a a shocker. I'm shocked to see DJ on the live golf list. I'll just say that. I reported it this weekend. TC, so you report so much stuff, okay? <laughs> There's no possible way. I
2: legitimately way. said you got Monday Q info out there saying, like, it's breaking news, $250,000 per start to these amateur guys. Again, reported that on Sunday night. That's that's like the industry. Everybody knows that, right? Every agent out there is like, like hey, the last three U.S. amateur winners stink. <laughs> right? Straight up. Like, Ogletree – Piot or Piot, Piot. and then uh, I can't even remember the other guy. Who's the third one? I don't know. This is a
1: wide ranging criticism. Of opening <laughs> no, no, volley. No,
2: but hold on, hold on, hold on. But I said 150 million dollars to DJ. We don't know Sunday. that part yet. I, I'm confident in it. Okay, and I think I think they doubled it. I don't think it's a shock, Bryson. It was either a choice. See, I'm gonna need a takeaway this point. I'm it was a choice away. between Mr. Player. Good morning. Well, first of all, Phil's not on this list. How about that? <laughs> but <the> a <laughs>
0: spot is being held. This Six is, spots. A, I the think. final players will include commissioners' invites and berths following the results of the Asian Tour International Series England Tournament, June second f- uh, through fifth. Announcements will be made by Monday, June sixth. So I think there's five spots for that, and then one that's presumably. with if Phil's
2: the commissioner, and he's holding a spot for himself, and he's going <laughs> to do like the whole you know pyrotechnics and smoke <laughs> off the first tier or whatever? All I'm saying is. I heard DJ this weekend 150 million. I know they're going after the amateur kids. I know they offered the kid from I think from Oklahoma. Oklahoma, or Oklahoma state. They offered him like like 2 or 3 million dollars up front up to 5 if he played all all eight events or whatever. And it's it's one of those things where like I'm shocked Bryson's not on this list.
0: I was going to say why don't we go through and focus on the list here eventually here, but Tying a bow on this DJ thing. Uh, RBC has come out with a statement. Obviously, he will not be playing the RBC Canadian Open, which this first live event is opposite. Sounds like they dropped him, or maybe they didn't. Uh, they, what, I, a, man,
1: what a... Can you imagine a company just running commercials for you for just two years, three years? Just br- like a, a brutal waterboarding of, of horrible
0: commercials. Here's their statement. RBC is a proud partner of the PGA Tour. Our partnership is anchored with two world-class golf tournaments, the RBC Heritage and the RBC Canadian Open. The PGA Tour has been clear about its intentions in accordance with its tournament regulations should a golfer choose to play in a tournament outside the Tour, including the Live Golf Invitational Series. We were recently made aware that Dustin Johnson made the decision to play the Live Golf Invitational Series opener. DJ has been a valued RBC team member since 2018. While we are extremely disappointed in his decision, we wish him well. So I so it took this was supposed to come out last Friday. It was maybe supposed to come out Monday, and it took until dinner time uh, on the East Coast on Tuesday to come out. This had to be it, right? It had to be like a full uh, figuring out these final DJ details, right? Who I mean, knows? There's, there's these no, statements there's ready. There's
2: nobody else on there other than like Taylor Gooch. Seems Taylor like Gooch is a shocker. a shocker. Maybe Hudson Swafford, but there's there's nobody on there that like has mainstream notoriety that they're going to be waiting on. To to delay this entire announcement. Right? right.
0: And it looks really embarrassing without DJ on it. Totally. I mean, it, uh, it, I don't, I it's really, like maybe, maybe DJ held out for another 50 million and said, Hey, you know what?
2: I'm not going to do it until you get to 200. And they're like, all right, cool. Like we'll do 200.
0: There is a statement from Dustin Johnson's agent, David Winkle. He said, Dustin's been contemplating this for the past two years and decided it was in his and his family's best interest to pursue it. He's never had any issue with the PGA Tour and is grateful for all it's given him, but in the end, felt this was too compelling to pass up. Cream, get the money. Dollar, <laughs> I'm, dollar I'm bill actually bill. shocked. <laughs> Will There's... you
2: apologize for DJ? No. no. No, I mean, DJ is who he thought he was. It, this doesn't have a bearing on, like, his who he is or, or what he purports to be. I don't think DJ's ever true purported to be anything like I'm shocked that
0: I'm shocked that Varner's not on here. Apparently he's waiting for the OWGR stuff to be sorted out, is okay. what I was told.
2: I'm shocked that Co crack Co crack.
0: He's got a wedding oh, weekend. Plus also heard they didn't meet his number, which is a very funny sentence. Which was two hundred million. Bubba <laughs> Bubba's not on there. Bubba's, Bubba's been a ringleader in all this. I
1: I mean we mentioned
0: it Team briefly Rose. but
1: Phil's not on there. Yeah. Which is surprising not to see him explicitly on there. I'm,
0: like some I'm of the horses sure... they
2: thought they had in the back aren't aren't in the back, or they're in the way back.
0: <laughs> I don't see. I mean, I feel like those were like rumor ish at one point. You know, Varner and, and Bubba, at least as of February, were very heavily involved, but I haven't heard those names a lot in recent months. There's not a ton on there that I'm surprised at outside of surprised that they're missing. Really, at least from stuff we've heard, at least in the last week. But
2: let's go through the list.
0: Okay. You want to go by, by OWGR, or do you want to just go in alphabetical? Alphabetical, okay. Baby. Oliver Becker. This guy,
2: I saw him in the suit all open. World number ago. 93. Had, I was like, who the hell is this guy? He's, he's underneath 30 to 1. He's one of the favorites to win this event. I've literally never heard of him before.
0: Many are saying he's a manipulator. Then. <laughs> There's so
2: many South Africans on this list. It's crazy.
0: Richard, aka Big Dick Bland. Uh, Randy's going to be crushed. World number 66, two career wins is uh, going. We knew that one. Talk How about o- two <laughs> well timed wins. <laughs> yes. <How old laughs> just
1: toiling in obscurity on the Euro Tour and then cashing in at the exact right moment. How old's Blandy? He's like
0: 49, I think. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Lori Cantor. They, sh- they should have hollered at Alker. That's true. Mm. Yeah.
2: Hottest call from the world right
0: exactly. now. Exactly. Lori Cantor from England. Lori um, Cantor's
2: an electron, man.
0: <laughs> I am going to um, there's gonna be several names on this list that I'm gonna politely decline to, to name sure. because I I will struggle with the pronunciations. We have Henny Duplessis. Oh, so you're not you're not even gonna say it. Oh no, no, I'm not gonna say it. There, there Rational- an a, there's Rational- an amateur from Thailand. TK he
2: TK, goes back. TK not TK Kelly. Not TK Kelly. <laughs> Another TK.
0: TK Chanta. You see, I'm not gonna do it. Youngest ever to win an OWGR event. Oliver Fisher. Sergio Garcia can't wait a couple more weeks. I never have to deal with you people again, Taylor Gooch. I think we should pause on this one for this is the, <laughs> that's tough. Only Shock. like young up yeah. and coming American player. Um, Here's what I want to say about these is
1: if the band stuff is real, if there is a, a chance that you can never go back to the PGA tour, if there's a chance that you're, you're really like turning your back on the, what is basically like the mainstay of professional golf. It's a really, uh, I, I, Really don't know how to feel about some of these younger dudes uh, doing that. Just from a like, man, it seems like you really don't want to bet on yourself, managing standpoint. your own career standpoint. Yeah, and maybe the, maybe it is just like a listen, man. The money's here, and I truly think this is where pro golf is headed. And you know, the next decade will will say you know who's right and who's wrong about that. But as of right now, man, it, it just really looks like a lot of dudes who are like, yeah, I don't, I don't know that I'm really going to make what I. You know, I don't want to bet on myself on the PJ tour, so I'm gonna like take th- the guarantee. How thing. much do you think
2: Taylor Gooch got up front?
0: I, 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 mean, I have if no. They're idea. offering
2: college kids three to six or like two to six up front. Gooch is an interesting case because he's he might be one of the ones that they're basing the lawsuit off of, where he he is a weekend like. There's only a few guys on this that are week in week out PJ tour players. They can actually claim. Damages or lawsuits or or restraint of trade if we're doing an antitrust thing where I think there's there's some to be like there's an inherent value to the Saudis with that right because you get that like you know example but of I that. think
0: these guys are pretty far out on an island it's not it's different than like twelve guys doing it than like DJ and Taylor Gooch doing it totally. I think it yeah. feels like it. It, it I don't know it D- does it it's feel like such a like... middle finger like to your peers yeah. <laughs> it really is. And, and it's,
1: again, like I'm not trying to have it both ways, but listen, man, there are people who play golf for money and there are people who play golf like for trophies yep. and it's a fuckload more fun to watch the people who like are playing for trophies, And right? that's
0: fine, then don't try to do both. Exactly, and that's where that's I'm like, where yo, I'm... I, the, go
1: for it, man. Go. If someone will pay you to do that, cool, I get it, but like I don't want to watch, I don't give you a shit. You know where the biggest problem
2: is? Is if a guy like Gooch, like that's why I'm so bothered by him, is like he seems like a guy that... Like, wants to play for trophies. And if he comes to a major and, like, wins a major and then goes back to the Saudi League or whatever, my thing is maybe we're being presumptive in saying that a lot of the players, like, maybe this isn't a middle finger to them. Maybe they're actually rooting their peers on and saying, you know what, try this out, see how much you can get out of it, get the lawsuits going, get the litigation going, maybe we can do both. At least in the near term. It's going to hurt the tour in the long term, but in the near term, in the next, you you know, at least until the the strength of field stuff kicks in in the the media deal, it's, you know what, maybe it's just like, you know what, I got my next five years, I'm going to get mine, regardless of how that happens, whether it's on the PGA Tour. Because if Gooch got, I mean, legitimately speaking, like if they're offering college kids $5 million, this guy's what, 35, 36 in in the OWGR right now?
0: He's 35th, yeah.
2: Yeah, he's 35th in the OWGR. Like there's a value in that. There's a value in somebody who's, exempt into the next however many majors there's you know but there's
1: also there's also a disconnect between like a one time winner on the pj tour commanding 20 million dollars right and there's there's something just inherently weird about it and i i'm not totally. uh, again i'm not trying to like take some high ground of yo man if someone offers you 20 million dollars and and that's why you play, and that's what the point of that's what the end game of all this is. then, like, yeah, cool, go take it. But like, but that there's doesn't also, mean like fans have to be excited about it, especially if those fans don't know who the fuck you are to begin with.
0: There's also, that's who I feel
1: like a lot of these guys are.
0: When it seems like too good to be true, it probably is. Yeah. Like that is a Well, Saul, you've you're you've dangling. gone down
1: to the,
2: the the you've talked to some of the guys about what they're asking from a, from a media and like extra ass It's
0: like comical, like ninety minutes of media a week, like fans. Can like buy tickets inside the ropes and like celebrate with your team Hell yeah. <laughs> afterward. Hell yeah. And uh, Man, I
1: forgot the whole thing is teams too. Oh, it's just, <sighs>
2: they're, they're, but it's different teams every week. They're going to have a draft every week. It's just like the whole thing's glued together. Let's to see
1: who can get Henny Duplessis in, the, all I'm in saying, the third round.
2: All I'm saying with Gooch is at some point, does this feel like pro golf is maxed out? We're at the top. And you know what? Like, I mean, how much does the FedEx Cup pay out? But I think 15. it's not 15? maxed up
0: when a new, it, like, this is like inflation. He
2: just made $20 million Maybe. before even playing in the, like, he's, he's clearly one of the best players. It's a, it's a four, it's $4 million to the winner of every one of these events. So let's say he wins twice in the next, I'm sure it's a multi year deal. Let's say he wins twice in the next two years. That's another $8 million plus whatever the team bonus is or whatever. Like, we're talking about, like, Taylor Gooch is going to clear 30 or $40 million.
1: For sure, yeah, dude, I I get it. That's that's where I'm yeah. like, yo, I, I'm not saying I don't understand anybody it's
2: soulless as hell. But anybody yeah.
1: doing it, I just feel like a lot of these guys are gonna wake up, and if the if the bands hold up, and who the hell knows what's gonna happen on that front, but you know, if the bands hold up, and you you wake up one day, and it's like, yeah, I got fifty million dollars, and I'm like theoretically in the prime of my career, and this whatever the fuck league I'm playing in just cratered or has lost all its. Gumption or whatever and like i can't go back to the pj tour it's like yeah cool man like go go live in a big ass house we, awesome we have, knew have, have all fun. this
0: though can we focus on the list like we knew all yes, of these yeah. in relation to how the going this is but all, was but all i'm out.
2: saying is gooch is the perfect mix of like up and coming dude works hard seems like a good actually a good get for them like a good guy to bet on because yeah he's walking away from he's probably walking away from certain incentives in his callaway deal or but also like I don't think he's got like he, I think he's got like a local roofing manufacturer on his shirt still, right? And like he doesn't have to fucking worry about that anymore. Like that seems like that's a better guy than I would anticipate them getting. Is all I'm saying.
0: Yeah. Brandon Grace, Justin Harding, Sam Horsefield. So sorry TC, I know you're banking on him for the rider cut. Florida guy, man. <laughs> that's tough. Florida boy. <laughs> uh, Dustin Johnson, uh Matt Jones. Saddam <laughs> Uh, nope, not going to do it. Martin Keimer, another name I'm not going to try. Just to pause
1: on that one again. Try and go back to the the money argument of Martin Keimer seems like he has been grinding. And listen, man, if it's not going to come back, and you want to cash in for
0: however many million dollars you're going to pay, and, you, he, like,
2: and, and and you don't want to be a Ryder Cup captain, yeah,
0: uh, yeah. There's like yeah, there's like two names that matter in terms of ongoing professional golf: DJ no. and Gooch. Yeah, there's a couple more names that matter in terms of. Your participation in team events going forward. I guess you should put Ustazen in there. I was going to say Ustazen. Ustazen, also Ustazen matters. probably matters, and Polter Westwood as captains in Keep future going. events. Keep going down but, the list. Uh, C. Juan Kim, not C. Wu Kim. Rio Suke Kinoshita, Chase Kepka. Heard, uh, heard
2: that one. Heard that one was coming. Like he he was all in.
0: Jinichiro Kazuma. Pablo Larrazabal, I don't know if that's Pablo
2: Larrazabal. Larrazabal, he's, like, he's, he's been like around.
0: He's been I know who he is. He's won some big to, dick hero. We've never had to talk about it.
2: <laughs> yes,
0: Graham McDowell. Which,
1: Real quick, real, real quick. I, I feel like, uh, sorry to cut you off. But this is important. We got some intel that we should not be calling Tommy Fleet with the rabbi for making cuts in. Uh, Correct. In big dick events, we should be calling him the Moyle. Is that right? The Moyle. Okay. So the <laughs> Tommy the Moyle Fleetwood. Just who's real, not also not on the list.
2: Real quick, real quick. Pablo Larthable. Abu Dhabi. BMW International. French Open. ISPS Hon, Honda Championship in Spain. The My Golf Life Open presented by Pecan, Pecanwood in the Alfred Dunhill Championship. He's wow. won all of those again big dick events Master.
0: Jediah morgan uh,
2: Jadiah morgan
0: kevin nah we knew that one Thirsty um, kevin
1: heard some rumors on the Na front too that he he would basically be like doubling up like what he's made on the pj tour in that regard so if it's a 30 50, 70 million well what does he's he made he's made like
0: 37 million or something like so
1: that so meaning like they'd pay him like what he made in his career on the pj tour
0: oh got you okay like,
1: dub, which is again when you yeah. when you think about it in that context it's like dude i I'm not saying I don't get it. It's just right. some of these younger
0: guys it's it's a little tougher to swallow. Sean Norris. Mm.
1: That's a big one for you. another, another right South now. African.
0: Andy Ogletree. Okay. Uh, Louis Oosthuizen, major champion, number 20 20th ranked player in the world. Wade Ormsby.
2: Another electron.
0: <laughs> Adrian Otagwe. My right? Yeah.
2: He's an up and comer. He's he's a he's a good get for them. Turk Pettit. God Turk,
0: that <laughs> James Piat, Ian Poulter, David Puig, no relation to Puig, the Seal. Puig's,
2: uh, Puig played for Arizona State today in the. Oh, he's playing right now. Like he's playing like, who won the the afternoon session? I today?
0: we left. I left before then. J C Ritchie is another South African. Charles Swartzel, another South African. Hudson Swafford, Big Hud, gifted hands. That's uh, a, that's a is tough. He, is he gonna get kicked
2: out of the Seattle Mafia?
0: That's a good question.
1: I'm not, not wild about that one either. That's that's again just but also
2: like, it's like it's betting on yourself. And if you, like, all right, A he plays well in the desert. <laughs>
0: <laughs> These events are gonna be in the desert. Not all of them. Some of them. The big the really now. big dick events are gonna be in the desert. Now.
2: Uh but also it, like his cause that's the other thing that we had heard too, is it wasn't just that you were gonna play the eight events, you were gonna sign on to play. A number of the Asian Tour events as well.
0: I I'm curious if people, or f- have a full grasp of all the things that are going to get asked of them for this money. I'm very curious. I don't know if they're gonna have time to play this and the PGA they're Tour. They're
2: gonna fucking own
0: you. Hideto Tanahara, uh, Peter Uline. That's a weird one. Yeah.
2: Also, kind of like pro golfers' hey, hey, never t- took like, off. Maybe I'm you not know. good enough. Maybe I should just
0: you know Just cash in. Scott Vincent from Zimbabwe, Lee Westwood, former world number one, Bernd Wiesberger, that Wiesberger guy, and Blake Windred from Australia. And that is it. That's your field list.
2: I mean, I, th- I thought there was going to be the fact that Mickelson's not on there. Is we? I mean, I
0: know they've they've got spots saved or whatnot. I wonder if that's why it was delayed a couple of days. Trying to figure out his. Yeah. Like, th- it was not delayed for no reason. There's a zero percent chance it was delayed for no reason
1: and i man i could kind of see it both sides i know we've alluded to some stuff and again not breaking any news here and and certainly don't have any information to this to this effect but the end of that statement that he put out about you know trying to kind of work on things and he hasn't been who he's wanted to be and uh, it definitely alluded to just having more more stuff going on, so I guess I could I could see why they'd want to give him some space and and maybe hold a spot for him. But at the same time, man, if you're trying to come out with a big swing and a bang and sell tickets and all that stuff, like, God, it would it would He'd shock die. me if they spent as much money as they reportedly did on Phil and they didn't have him on this initial list yeah. as well. You know, so it's he might not be playing. I don't know. Who yeah, knows? Yeah, what Phil's Puig, got going
2: on. Arizona State is is playing tomorrow, so he's on this list and they. They're playing tomorrow. They are playing. Played uh, Pepperdine today. Puig won two and one.
0: How many? How many people are? Uh, I'll look this up as we're as we're doing. Is this anybody week. in the field this week? How many people are in the field for at the memorial this week? Hudson Swafford is in the field at the memorial this week. Sick. Louis Tazen's not. Gooch think, probably is. Gooch is not in the field this oh, week. Interesting. So I think is Hud the only one? Must be. Which also, yeah, speaks to. I mean, there, again, there's there's. One and a half guys there that we're really gonna miss. Like if they didn't get DJ, this the whole list would be a laughing stock. And now it's whatever they paid for it again for people that have endless amounts of money was probably worth it because yeah. it saved uh this this first round of, of of publicity is it's gonna get some attention. It's gonna get some eyeballs. The fact that they on, didn't on get YouTube.
2: the fact that they didn't get Bryson. <laughs> yeah, I mean YouTube. these are all fellow creators now, right? <laughs>
0: DJ's a YouTube content creator. <laughs> now. He's leaving the PJ tour to become a YouTube content creator. Uh I, I,
2: yeah. I, I misspoke on Puig earlier. He he actually got his doors blown off uh this <laughs> today by the kid from Oklahoma, McAllister. Arizona State still won. So he the plays. the father. He <laughs> Peter McAllister, the father. Uh he he plays tomorrow against Pepperdine before he's off to the Centurion Club next week.
1: Centurion Lounge. Mm-hmm.
2: Other guys that we thought, all right, so Varner, Kokrak, um, Phil, obviously. Bubba. Bubba. Uh, G-Mac's in there, right? G-Mac's mm-hmm. in. Okay.
0: G-Mac has, it's it's worth knowing, G-Mac has a restaurant, like, at the entrance of TPC Sawgrass also. <laughs> but also, like. <laughs> For how weird some of the shit's about to be. knows, the like, the
2: Tavistock group, who he's tied in with, could be investors in the Saudi thing, too, right? Gosh, there's just so many fucking South Africans.
0: It is a yeah, big, it's crazy, big South African presence, if I may. It is except your boy Dean Burmeester. Henny, Long we Oliver out Oliver Becker, Henny Duplessis, Brandon Grace, Justin Harding, Sean Norris, Louis Tazen, J.C. Ritchie, Charles Swartzel. That's a lot. That's a eight lot. guys. Eight divided eight by forty-eight. 48. Well, sixth of the field, eighteen percent of the field is South Africans. Yeah. Um, I mean, who
2: else? Like, who else has been rumored,
1: or who else do we do we?
0: That's what I'm saying. There's not a lot on there that that I felt like is 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 missing. Surprising. I mean, Rick
1: Ricky made comments about how he hadn't made up his mind. It's interesting now to see him on there.
2: <laughs> it'd be it'd be interesting to see if they did this and then they're trying to keep the horses in the back and trickle out some big names to like start small
1: and then because what like it starts
2: next Thursday,
0: next Friday, next it's Friday. Like three rounds. It just
1: seems like they would want to do as big a bang as possible up front, but
2: but it's also like. Hey, you know what? You guys have been shitting on us. Cool. Here's this guy. Here's that guy. I'm surprised. Like they didn't make a run at Takumi.
0: Who knows if they and did? Kanaya. You know. He might be. He might be waiting. But we will see. I gotta assume we'll have more to talk about this uh, this Sunday on the Recap Podcast. Um, this was supposed to be a weird episode. I know, weird transition. But this was supposed to be a U.S. Women's Gosh. Open preview, but had to do the emergency reaction. Uh, we're going to send it to, over to our friends at Whoop, and then we'll check in with our friend Mel Reed. Enjoy the week, everyone. Cheers. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at WHOOP, the personalized digital fitness and health coach, and official fitness wearable of the PGA and LPGA Tours. You can monitor your recovery, sleep, training, and health with personalized recommendations and coaching feedback with WHOOP. As soon as I'm done recording this ad read, I'm actually heading to the gym today as my body is telling me that it is time to work out, it's time to take on strain today, got some good rest. I don't know how because I kind of you know got after it a little bit this past weekend, but... That's the kind of information you're going to get from your Whoop, and the all-new Whoop 4.0 is the latest, most advanced fitness wearable on the market. It's smaller, smarter, and designed with biometric tracking, including skin temperature, blood oxygen, and more. What I like the most about it, it makes me feel responsible for the amount of hours I'm getting, uh, you know, of sleep every night. It just, it just hurts to wake up and see five and a half hours and know it came from just poor decision-making. helps me make better decisions. The all-new waterproof device is free when you sign up for a Whoop 4.0 membership. For any members, if you have six months of membership left on your account, you can upgrade now and get the 4.0 for free. And right now, Whoop is offering 15% off when you use code NLU15 at checkout. So go to Whoop.com, W-H-O-O-P.com, enter NLU15 at checkout to save 15%. And now finally, let's get to Mel Reid. So by my account, last time we did this, you had your best ever major championship finish. I want to know why, how you haven't called, how you haven't come, you know, come begging to come back on the podcast right before a major.
3: I know, I was in a bit of a similar situation. I started uh, started that season about as dismal as I have this season. So maybe you guys, hopefully you guys are my lucky charm. Yeah, no, that was a nice little week there at KPMG. That's how I expect Please. <laughs>
0: I think that was. I think it was. So, all right, it's U.S. Women's Open week. For those that maybe don't watch as much LPGA Tour golf, what makes this week's test different than tournaments you or, or kind of setups you guys face on a week-to-week basis?
3: Yeah, I mean, it's kind of similar to the guys, and similarities are like the rough is definitely up. Fairways are a little bit narrower. Greens run really, really quick. The rough around the greens is just really thick and nasty. And it's just a little bit longer than probably we play most of our major championships. I would say it's definitely on the longer side. Yeah, I mean, it literally just tests all parts of your game, and I think that that's how a major should be. But especially a U.S. Open or a U.S. Women's Open, it they just take it up like that extra, that extra notch for sure.
0: What does that put a premium on then? Is that emphasize ball striking? Does it emphasize short game? Does it change any of that, or does it just make everything just a little more severe?
3: Yeah, I mean, it's. Honestly, the the person or the girl or the guy who wins the US Open or US Women's Open has literally played the best golf. I mean, it just, you've got to be driving it well. You've got to obviously be a great ball striker. You've got to be hitting your long irons well or hybrids or or whatever you're using. And the upper part of the bag, your putter's got to be kind of hot. Short game's got to be good, but it's also about eliminating mistakes, right? Like, you know, I have a few rules for, for major championships. And one of them is, you know, if you're in trouble, just get out. You know, I think that, bogeys are okay double bogeys are not okay you know little mistakes like three putts are not okay so I think if you try and just eliminate that then that's kind of a good game plan going into a a major championship so so yeah I have like a few rules that I kind of try and stick to which is kind of like my game plan that uh, I don't want to give too much away obviously but yeah I kind of I actually got that from from Brooks I think I've been pretty open about that before like he kind of sat me down or had a phone call with me I think it was I think it was last year at the US Open. And he just said, these are kind of my 10 rules. And yeah, I kind of just, it kind of, that's my game plan now into every major. So I try and stick by that as much as I can. And obviously, the more you keep doing it, then the more it becomes a little bit more natural.
0: I'm wondering if, you know, maybe I'm just recency biased coming off the PGA championship that we just watched, but it it seems like in major championships and, and looking back at Olympic Club last year as well for the US Women's Open. It is different. These tournaments are different in terms of a mediocre first round does not pull you out of the competition, right? It is it's a survival test, and everyone's going to go through some ups and downs in it. And the winning score it never really gets away from you. It's it's within earshot. It's within range because everyone does make mistakes. Is that a fair way to describe it?
3: Yeah, hundred percent. I honestly, if you make a cut in in a U.S. Open, you've got a chance. I forgot. I yeah. felt like that. Like you can have a weekend where you kind of shoot a couple under, and then you go like three or four under and you've got a chance the scores are never never they're never going to be 12 under you know we're kind of around like four five six under is usually going to win a u.s women's open in my opinion i mean obviously i'll get to the course and have a look but that's the thing that's why you kind of have to stick to your game plan because you never like you know like, wow i'm five over but you're really not out of it if that makes sense you just trying to take away the big numbers that's all you're trying to do that week. you're almost like i think that's why you get so mentally drained because You're trying to stay as patient as possible because you know bad things are going to happen, and it's whoever reacts best to those situations usually end up having a really good week.
0: And this is, of course, not coming from experience, just from watching, though. It also seems like the harder the setup, the firmer the greens, the faster the greens, the more that ball just takes that extra two, three revolutions getting away from the hole— and the stress of five, six-footers on Reap, it just seems like it happens more and more frequently, especially at a setup like the U.S. Women's Open. But people maybe underestimate how much that stress can add up over 72 holes.
3: It, yeah, it's tiring. I mean, you, you are grinding every single hole, pretty much. Like, there's never really a hole where you're like, okay, this is a variable chance. Like, you're kind of actually looking at holes going, it's okay to bogey this hole. I mean, I know that sounds weird, but that's kind of the mindset you have to get in because then if you make a par in the hole, you're like, okay, that's kind of, I've got one up on the field or half a shot up on the field. Like you're trying to give yourself like positive reinforcement all the time. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'll definitely during next week, I'll definitely be grinding on five, six putters. You know, normally I would start out three, four, five, kind of in a drill for for putting. I'll move that to like five, six and seven. because I know I'm going to have a, a bunch of those for par. Hopefully for Birdie, but you know, you're gonna have a bunch of those for par. Um, and that's honestly what drains you because it's it's you know, five footers are not that easy on a US open golf course.
0: What is your experience with Pine Needles, if any? And have you played any any kind of golf in the in the Pinehurst region?
3: Yeah, I've played Pinehurst, played two, four and seven, I think. Uh or two, six and seven. I love Pinehurst. Um I've actually never I've been to Pine Needles. I've never actually kind of I've been around the golf course. Of pine needles i've never actually played it but i don't know i really like pinehurst i think it's a really cool place i don't know why it reminds me a lot of britain i don't know i don't know what it is it's just i don't know i went there in the fall in november like a few years ago and i I loved it i thought this is awesome like the cute little pubs and i just thought the whole town was it's all about golf right it reminded me a little bit of like st andrews i don't know why i feel like it's the st andrews of america it's probably a big statement i'm probably gonna get some stick for that but
0: no that's that's what we call it that too
3: (laughs) i really like it and the thing is so it's carly's it's carly's uh 30th birthday on the monday after the us open and i've created an absolute monster because all she wants to do is go and play pinehurst and i'm like i literally couldn't think of anything worse after the US (laughs) u.s open but i got you it's your 30th birthday let's go do it so yeah. I mean, I, I love Pinehurst. It's, you know, I think that the whole step of it and the whole area of it is really, really cool. It honestly reminds me so much of home. It's, it's
0: cool. I was actually going to draw that comparison because you grew up in, in Derby, Is that right? Am I pronouncing it yeah. right? You were giving us some slack the last time. Yeah. We did. The, the The Heathlands firm-ish soil, sandy soil, is is that what you grew up playing on?
3: Yeah, a little bit. Like very Heathlandy. Honestly, like that's kind of what I grew up on and yeah, that's probably why it reminds me a little bit of it. Like, um, yeah, I mean, we had a few more kind of like gorse bushes and stuff, but I don't know. It's, it's just going to sound really weird. It's just even like the smell of the place. It just, I don't know what it is. It just reminds me of home. It's, yeah, I've always enjoyed going back there. Like, it's just somewhere that I've, I've always enjoyed playing golf.
0: Is there anything that's different about the US Women's Open this year? Anything at all? Anything that comes to mind? Any changes to, to anything that maybe is on your mind or anyone's mind?
3: I don't think so i mean obviously the prize money is slightly different uh, that's
0: what i'm hinting at <laughs> yeah
3: which is uh obviously amazing yeah the girls are obviously very happy about that and yeah i mean i think that that's got a lot to do with Mike one uh now going to the usga and you know making it you know a lot i think it's the same it's the same as the men right i think it's the same prize money as the men now
0: i think the men are around 12 and now you guys are up to 10.5 you're at 10 from 5.5 so yeah. it's a enormous increase
3: yeah i mean that's just incredible like you know we've been fighting for this for a while and to see the changes like this kind of starting to happen is it's awesome for women's golf um you know i feel like we deserve it and you know the girls out here are they're so good i mean they're they're so good now i can't even tell you like even from when i first came out on tour i mean it's just night and day how good these girls are so i mean it's just i think the price funds are just going to keep increasing and it's just nice to kind of see it moving a lot quicker than than it has been in previous years so yeah, really excited about
0: it. Does it change anything for you playing for that kind of sum compared to what you guys are playing on a week-to-week basis? And, and maybe, I don't know, you probably don't want to speak for other players as well, but is it? do you think it will have an effect on, on the way anyone prepares for it? How, I mean, obviously you're taking the U.S. Women's Open as seriously as you possibly can going into it, but I'm wondering if it changes anything for either for yourself or if you would expect it to change for anyone else.
3: I mean, I'm sure it will for, for a lot of people. I mean, if you have a good week, it's life-changing, you know what I mean? So... Right. You don't play for that amount of money week in, week out, and so um, it's not really on. It's not on my mind. I'm, um, I'm very lucky. I'm, I've got everything that I need. Obviously, everyone would like a little bit more of stuff, but you know, I'm still going there to try and win the trophy or try and win the tournament. I'm not there for the prize money, I guess. But yeah, I mean, it's obviously an added bonus if you have a good, if you have a really good week. Obviously, it's just a nice little bonus to have.
0: Does it? it at least from where I'm sitting, and, and obviously the evidence is showing that. Does it? It seems like the the major championships are kind of just trying to one up each other now in terms of you know who, who, upping the purses and the the level of investment. Not even just from a, a dollar standpoint, but the level of investment that seems to be flowing into the women's game. Would you say you are you are pleased, and most players are, are pleased with the progress that is happening at at the at the women's game in in general?
3: Yeah, of course. I mean, we're you know we're the best at what we do, and I think that we should be rewarded for that and. You know, you see how much money the guys are playing for. And I get, you know, we can't really compare. Like, we, you know, we don't get the TV time and we don't get the coverage like the guys do. It's a chicken and egg situation, right? But, you know, we're, we're really good. Like, you just got to look at some of the stats from some of our top players compared to the top guys. Like, I think they beat them in, you know, quite a lot of the stats, like surprisingly quite a lot of the stats. And so to see like a purse increases in the way that the tournaments are run, just getting better and better and we've got more sponsorship which we're so grateful for like that can only make us better like that can only like help us to like create a better team and you know travel a little bit better and it just little things like that makes such a huge difference to us um especially when everyone's so good you're always looking for that one percent right and so this just gives us a little bit more of an opportunity to be able to do that
0: is there any other I know you're focused on on, on this week but looking ahead at, at future US women's open venues one I think they you know the major championship venues in general are also a, a reason why more attention and more uh, you know inflow is coming into the women's game but are there any other venues in particular that have your attention
3: of course at up your field uh, this year for the British Open you know first time they're gonna have you know I mean they didn't even allow women so I mean what a what progression that is um, to have a women's British open there is pretty incredible.
0: What do you think the reaction is, is going to be like to that? You know, it's uh, it, they they drag their feet for a long, long, long time. Is there any? Do you sense any bitterness from from women in the game, or do you think it will be um, an open embrace?
3: I think it's an open embrace, right? I mean, it's all about it's all about moving forward. I mean, that's what surely that's what everybody wants is to make it better, you know. And if you don't, then you don't. But that's your opinion. But you know, playing these venues, like we've always said, you know, I remember talking to Kyrie Webb about this. A few years ago and she was like you know why we want to play the venues that the guys play like we see it on tv and we want to play and that's what's cool about like newfield pebble beach like we're now playing the venues that the guys play and we've always wanted that you know we've played great venues in the past but like now to actually play the venues that we've never played before that's really as a goal for that as a, a goal from the lpga or somebody who's able to play in these majors it's so exciting for us like i cannot wait for newfield i cannot wait for pebble beach like, just to see, like, some of the shots that, you, you know, you've seen on TV, like Tiger hitting and Rory hitting and things like that. Like, it's just – it will just be a cool experience to have a U.S. Women's Open or, like I said, at Muirfield, a, a Women's British Open there.
0: Yeah, for those that don't know, Pebble Beach next year for the U.S. Women's Open, then Lancaster Country Club in Pennsylvania, then Erin Hills, then Riviera, and then we have Inverness, which held the, the Solheim Cup this past year to – that was kind of like a U.S. Women's Open setup, if I may say. Then Oakmont, then Pinehurst interlocking oakland hills and then into the 20 mid 2030s marion pebble beach oakmont like it's it and for those that aren't as familiar that's not what it's been like necessarily for the past 10 15 20 or in the history of women's golf is that fair
3: oh 100 i mean you just start you just run off of an amazing set of venues <laughs> and that's just so exciting i mean the last one i'll probably be about 55 but you know i hope that where davis and in it up and competing but but yeah i mean it's it's just i think women's golf is in a great spot um You know, I keep going on how good these girls are, but like, I just think that we're just progressing a lot of a a much quicker pace now than we ever have been. So it's really, really cool to be part of and really cool to see, to be honest.
0: I'm hoping you can help describe this a little better than I can, because every time I go to an LPGA event, I come back and I hate, I hate my take. I hate it. Because it's so basic, but I'm just like I, I wish I had more better words to describe like how good these players are. Like I I, I can't do it. I need you to help me do my job to explain uh, what it is uh, that you you're talking so much about these up and coming players and the players that have come onto the tour since you've been out there. But how would you describe either how the skill level has changed or uh, in a way that's better than like hey they're really good? Because <laughs> I can't I can't come up with it.
3: I mean, we've obviously always had good players, like exceptional players like Annika, Webby, Laura, Julie. We've had amazing players, but I think now we've just got such a bunch of them. It's, I mean, it's scary. I mean, some of these girls that are coming straight out of college, are little, they're professional golfers. You know, I think that's credit to the college system as well. I think that they prepare them really, really well. You know, they treat them like professional athletes and they come out and they are professional athletes. And then they're just... I can't tell you how good like our top ten players in the world are. Like it's it's insane. Like they literally do not they do not miss greens, and if they do, they just get it up and down. I mean, it's just it's yeah. Okay, we don't have the like the power that the guys do, and obviously that's really cool to see. But the skill level these girls have and the way that they work at it and their work ethic is so impressive. I mean, I can't tell you how good like Jin Young Ko is. Like I don't think she missed like like she did make a bogey for like what 116 holes or something i mean that is just i mean the courses that we play are not that easy you know i mean that is yeah. just insane. how good that is yeah she's obviously she's extremely impressive i will number one and you know nelly just as impressive i'm a huge fan of nelly yeah i mean she's a great girl as well and you know i think she's going to do incredible things in in the game of golf and i'm excited to actually see how her career pans out as well
0: it just seems like the the ball is on a string. That's what I always say. Like it, it just it's not going to go offline, and the distance control is incredible, and coming into greens and holding them so well with lofted club with metal clubs and things like that. It's just it just like uh, I, I just I see so many things that I don't know. It's just a different variety of skills that I think are on display than what you talked about with the with the men's game and how power almost becomes a prerequisite there and not to say the men are not skilled at these other things but it kind of eliminates uh, a whole slew of players in a way that you know are uh, are not as powerful that may have some of those other skills on display I don't know if that made sense at all yeah
3: and like like I've always kind of like to shake the ball both ways and that's kind of why I, I like I grew up you know looking at Laura and I was like the way that she can control her golf ball is so impressive to me like she can curve it 40 yards like you don't really see that anymore, which is a bit of a shame. Like if there's a pin, you know, five on three from the right, these girls are just going straight at this pin. Like, straight they hit it. I mean, I have to, aim, you know, six, seven feet left and trying or six, seven yards left and try and cut it in there. But these girls, honestly, just like are aiming straight at it. And it just goes bullet straight, straight at the pin. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it is a completely different game of golf to the guys. Like it really is. And you really only kind of, understand it and appreciate it if you see it you know if you're actually there in the present and watching it because it's they just it's literally like you said it's literally on a string for them
0: how would you describe you know the state of your game you mentioned it's it's not been the best your best start to the season but what are you working on these days and i i've read you know some some articles and stuff for uh, that have mentioned your work with mental coaches in the past and i'm wondering what the present you know state of that is as well kind of take us to, to to how things are are currently
3: yeah i mean i changed my coach middle last i I parted ways with my old coach middle of middle of last season um kind of did things on my own for a little bit um saw a couple people but didn't really vibe and then got in touch through a friend actually Ashley Buhai one of my good friends her coach Doug a guy called Doug Wood so I started working with him started this season but I mean I haven't really seen him as much as I would like purely because like he's literally traveling back and forth from South Africa I love him we definitely vibe. We're definitely on the, on like, we've got very similar personalities. We're having to change a lot. Like I got in really, really bad habits for a num- number of reasons. So we're just trying to, the, the easiest way to take, to say it is I'm trying to take away past, right? Like I'm just trying to get it more on one plane and, and try and make my life a little bit easier. But yeah, the grind is real right now. Like it's just, you know, you take one step forward, two step back, you know what it's like. So, but we're definitely on the right track. It's just, It's just going to take me a while to to just grind it in, which I feel I don't really have that amount of time. So um, it's just about going out there and just trying to execute things as well as I possibly can, to be honest. And my expectations are not that high for the U.S. Open, but you just never know. Like, I was hitting balls today. At the end, you know, I was just talking to Doug uh, over the phone and he was like, hey, just think of this as a skill and then started flushing it. So it's just it's a fine combination between technique and and kind of skill it's as a golfer like we always look for perfection right like we always want the perfect position and and now i have to kind of develop a feel with that so yeah we just had a, i had an honest chat with him a month ago and i was like i'm not i, I just don't see that like I'm, we need to figure something else out because this isn't working and he was awesome about that and he's like okay let's just let's just retest a couple of things and then now we're definitely on the right track like i can feel it, it feels a lot more natural it's definitely progressing in the right way but yeah we're now just trying to figure out a feeling which i guess is down to me and, and kind of how i practice so it probably hmm. was a complicated answer but um but yeah i mean it's just you know i don't want to be i don't want to be a top 100 player in the world i want to see what i can really do and that's why I, t- I took this risk and and made a change like i had good success with my old coach but i just wanted more and people kind of say like oh it's always a bit tricky when you kind of striving for more sometimes and I'm like yeah but I'm, I was never a top 10 player in the world like if I was a top 10 player in the world I might have been. I have a different opinion but for me I just I just wanted to see how good I could be if I just swung it a little bit the way that I thought I should swing it and um, so yeah I mean it's, it's really hard at the minute but I'm also like excited at the same time to see where this can take me because I know once I get it like I can already see the benefit from it so once I get it and I feel comfortable with it you know, I'm kind of excited where that's where
0: that's going to go. I'm going to throw this at you, and you can feel free to interject and correct on any of it, but I, I think I get like what you're talking about at least a little bit in terms of your best golf is going to come from a feel and flow state, right? It is going to be the target's right there. I'm going to swing it right there. That's really hard to channel when your technical aspects of your swing are not in the proper state. Now, if you want to change the technical aspects, it's going to take one, uh, awareness of it, And two, understanding what the fixes are. And three, the grind time to make it so when you do want to compete at the highest level, you don't have to think about that on the golf course because if you're taking the super technical thoughts to the golf course, there's no way you can think this target and do all these things. And it's this, you're unlearning things and relearning things at the same time and drills and drills and drills and the drills may detract from the time you're spending on the course, trying to get in that competitive zone. Does that kind of summarize the process at least a little bit?
3: Yeah, and like I'm that like i have always struggled with practice like i'm i'm a ranger i will hit buckets and buckets and buckets and buckets of balls for hours on end and actually not get a lot out of it because i'm trying to get it all perfect whereas like doug's very good at like he'll literally like today i was practicing for probably four hours just digging up the grass at atlantic beach and doug called me literally every half an hour he's like you need to take a break i can you're sending me too many videos kind of thing And he's like, stop videoing your swing. Just hit a few draws, hit a few fades. And then I was like, okay, yeah, I've got it back a little bit. And then I'll grind again. And I'm like, no, it doesn't feel good. And he's like, listen, go and do some putting. Like, you've got to get off this range. Like, this, do your drills for 45 minutes and then just leave. Just go and play. Like, I know it doesn't feel comfortable, but just go and play. Like, go play with the boys and just try and shoot, you know, 68, 67. It's so hard because I'm so desperate to get it. But at the same time, you're 100% right. Like, I'm never going to get it. Like, it's never going to be perfect, right? Whereas if I go out on the golf course, I'm like, oh, okay, I've just shot 66 or whatever, and I didn't think I was hitting it very good in the range, but I'm obviously – my game's in decent shape. So I've always been really bad at that. Like, I really just try and get it straight away, and it actually brings me back a couple steps. So I need to definitely be a little bit better in that. Like, tomorrow, for example, like, we're, we're playing with the boys at 4 o'clock. I will literally – I won't I probably won't even warm up. I just want to go and see what it's like tomorrow because that's really good for me. Like that's what was so good about COVID. Like I literally just played with the boys literally five days a week. I barely practiced and then I came out of COVID and then started playing well because I was just, you know, we as professional golfers we try and be perfect and sometimes you need to you need to just trust you doing the right thing. But it's 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 really difficult. Really difficult.
0: <laughs> It is. The worst is when you actually start hitting it maybe a little bit better, but then you see it on video and it doesn't look the way you want it to look.
3: <laughs> video is my worst enemy. It's literally my I I've literally had to delete like hundred videos today. I'm like, what am I doing? Like just just stop. Just try and feel the position. Like stop trying to put it in position. Like it's it's so difficult. But yeah, I mean it's something I've always struggled with. Like I'm a bit of perfectionist, you know, I'm a bit like we all are, but we'll get there.
0: It's fascinating. It really is. I mean, I think it, you know, people that are golf fans just, you know, think it may mean practice, 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 hitting a million balls and, until you, you know, perfect it, but not knowing what underlying things that you're actually practicing. And, uh, you know, it, it's interesting. What about on, on the mental side? I, I, I've read, you know, your email exchanges you've done with Sean Zock last summer, which was really a, a fun read. I think that's the source of where I got, I got just your, your conversation on. On uh, your mental approach and how 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 you've I've uh, done that, I'm wondering as a veteran, kind of how your mental approach to golf has evolved over your career.
3: Honestly, I go back and forth. Golf breaks my heart, but at the same time, like if you took golf away, I'm extremely lucky in what I have. This is probably the most stable and happiest I've ever been outside of well, it is the most stable and happiest I've ever been outside of golf. So. You know, sometimes you just got to realize it's a game. You know, we're all trying to do the best. Of course we are, but it doesn't define who I am um, at all. Like, it's just something that I happen to be pretty good at occasionally. And I really enjoy competing. Uh, That's literally my most favorite thing ever is to compete. So, but yeah, I mean, you just got to take it that, you know, if you just if you're a good person, you're doing the right things. Like good things will happen. That's kind of as basic and as simple as. I mean, at the end of the day, if I miss a cut, you know, I get to come home and to my night, you know, a house that we've built together, and you know, I get to come home to, to Carly, and you know, everyone in my family is healthy. Like you know, things aren't that bad.
0: That's another development in your life since we last talked. Is you are now officially a, a married woman. How's, has married life changed anything for you?
3: Well, I'm still married two months in, so that's a good sign. But yeah, no, I mean, honestly, like, yeah, I'd recommend it, actually. I never thought I would get married, but I didn't think anyone would marry me. It's actually the the issue here. But um, yeah, Carly managed to marry me and uh, we had an awesome day. It was amazing and just really happy. I mean, marriage, it definitely feels different, for sure. Definitely feels different, but in a good way. So I found a good one and... She found a good one too. So,
0: <laughs> tell the tell the story of the uh, your guys engagement. I really enjoyed reading about that one because that that was that was a bold strategy.
3: Oh, that was right. Okay, so I don't get embarrassed that often, but this was probably my worst moment ever. So, I I'd planned this whole thing with our friends basically in West Palm. We'd just played to see me, so we're going to drive to West Palm. I thought it was just, for some reason we're in a roof we're on a rooftop bar, and I just thought it'd just be as long. Well, I got up there, and it was so busy. Like, I can't even tell you how busy it was. It was, like, shoulder to shoulder. And I'm like, oh, my God, I can't do this. And then I hooked my mate. I was like, I can't do this. I can't do this. She was like, yeah, get, get over there. And I literally just looked at Carly, and I just went, um, do you know why everyone's here? She was like, no. And I was like, it's your engagement party. And she was like, okay. And then I just went completely blank, like, just stared at her. with a grin on my face. And she was like... Are you going to ask me? I was like, okay. And it was it was so bad. Like, even my friends were like, that was the most awkward proposal I've ever seen. It was so bad. And then I put it on the wrong thing. I put it on the wrong hand. I think as my hair was down, I always get really conscious when my hair's down. So I just don't think I look very good. And I had my hair down to try and look, you know, nice. And then as soon as I did that, I put my hair up and I was had a beer and I was like, okay, I'm back to normal now. Like, I should have just done it with my hair up. It was my hair, honestly. that just messed everything up. But it was so bad. It was about as bad as at the wedding. It was about as bad as
0: that. I uh I filmed what I when I proposed to my wife. I filmed it and like in my head I was so smooth, like, oh my gosh, I just totally crushed that. And I watched it back, not even close. Just I was I was
3: Reckon, eh? It's so nerve wracking. Oh yeah. Because it's more for them. I'm like, I want it to be perfect for her. And I've just completely like messed I've really effed this up. Like I'm I'm, um, yeah. I don't, I, she's definitely gonna say no now because i've really messed this up like <laughs> whole vision i was like this is gonna be so cool with all our friends so romantic this is gonna be awesome no it was horrific it was awful people like shouting at us, like "Woo!" and i was like please just, just like two girls especially like i was like just leave me alone leave me alone
0: <laughs> well tell us about the wedding how did it did, did that at least go a little bit more smoothly
3: yeah yeah it was pretty smooth actually um yeah, I was slightly hungover in the morning, but managed to rally, rally it, and then uh, yeah, it was just yeah, it was an awesome day. Yeah, it goes really quick because you're, you're married, right? Mm-hmm. It goes so quick, like everyone's trying to grab your attention. But yeah, we had an incredible day. It was just it was just really cool having like a lot of our favourite people in one place. It was really interesting as well with my dad and my family, like meeting Carly's family. Uh, completely different dynamics but it was awesome like we had we had such a good day everyone had a great time I think so it was definitely one of the best days of my life
0: I remember everyone's advice was you know slow it down like you know take a moment take it all in and I was in my head I was like you know what I'm gonna be able to slow down time during the biggest day of my life and it's like it was like that it was like we danced for 30 minutes if we danced for four hours it, it felt like 30 minutes it truly is incredible
3: yeah like they turned the lights on I was like wait what I didn't realise, yeah. But we yeah, no, it was good. We had a really good day, so it was cool.
0: So you mentioned a hangover, you know, starting a little bit to start that day. I wanna know about the hangover the Tuesday after the Solheim Cup party.
3: Okay, so um oh yeah, that's right, I finished on Monday. So I wasn't that bad, actually. I was the last one of the last ones to go to bed, but it wasn't my first radio. Do you know what I mean? Like I've been I've I'm a pretty good drinker, so I was—I actually did quite well with myself. We got like an early fight in the morning, but a few of the girls, I think, were a few girls missed the fight. I was like, I've been there. It's like, see, I'm not a rookie anymore. Yeah, need to get your fight in the morning. But um, but yeah, it was—I uh, mean, it was such a cool week. That was the best Solheim I've been part of for sure. Like, obviously, winning is a bit of an added bonus, but just like the whole team, the girls, like backroom staff, like all of our support system, and. Obviously, with Beanie Captain and the vice captains and stuff, it was it was unreal. And we literally had no support either, like because obviously with with travel restrictions and stuff. And so, to win on American soil with that kind of atmosphere was even more incredible. It was cool.
0: How many times did We Are the Champions play in the team room that night?
3: <sighs> I think it was just on repeat, to be honest. Yeah. It was just on, we just kept singing it, even if it wasn't on. Like, we actually made the DJ stay. I think we all tipped the DJ, God knows what we tipped him, but we just kept giving him money just to keep playing. He was like, I need. I actually need to go home, it's 2am. We were like, no, one more song. So, yeah, and then we just made our own little party. But, um, yeah, I mean, so, the night after a Solheim Cup is literally the best night out ever every two years. It's so much fun. Even the girls that don't drink, like, I managed to, like, slip in a couple drinks to them, and you should see how much they loosen up. It's incredible. It's really- I
0: was there, I saw the whole thing I oh. saw several, there's two two members of your team in particular that I won't name names but were very much not into the big party and then slowly but surely like you guys pulled them in, pulled them in and then, I actually I'll, I'll say one of the names, Leona, because we joked about it with her on the pod, by the end of the night she could not stop dancing, it was so much fun Yeah,
3: she was like, I'm not drinking, I'm not drinking and I was like, you've got to drink out the cup and then we all start singing like MVP and then she's like I like, got a bit of courage and did it and then that was her, done, done I was like, right, here's another one, here's another one. So yeah, I'm the I'm the bad influence on that. But you know, these girls got to learn. You know, if they're gonna keep playing Solheims, they're gonna have to, you know, keep the party going when I'm done. So just trying to train them.
0: This this was I, I this was the first Solheim Cup I've been to. I've been to several Ryder Cups, and I I feel like I captured or for the first time it like started to click for me in terms of what I saw out of your guys' team as to what led you to play great golf. Right, forever it's this kind of the media has done uh, you know spent many, many decades trying to figure out why certain people play better, why teams play better, why teams play worse compared to their quote unquote talent level. And for me, it just kind of clicked in terms of how I saw your team interact when you were not the ones hitting the golf shots that it it, it was like a mentality of selling out towards the team is how I described it in terms of you didn't care how silly you looked. You didn't care about necessarily how you did that day. It was like, if there was one single thing you could have done to let the people that were playing know that you were supporting them, you did it, and it elevated play. Am I am I kind of onto something? Is that an advantage you guys feel like you guys had at any time?
3: I think the biggest thing for me is <laughs> everyone's so different, right? And like all you trying to do that week is try and make your teammates feel comfortable. I think that's why Katrina's had such good success because in Solheim Kurtz, because she she's kind of understood each player and what they need and what different preparations they need and she's been very open to that I think sometimes captains kind of say no this is what we're doing and and that's all we're doing and I think that somebody like myself who's been on a few Solheim cups now and you know Colotta's the same you're trying to make people feel comfortable right like I could I can tell I could tell straight away like I didn't know Leona but like I knew a little bit about her and I knew she was very very shy very introvert but I knew that she was a competitor. And so all I was trying to do being a partner with her was trying to make her feel as comfortable as possible with me, because then that just brings out like even more of her competitiveness and her comfortable and, you know, being confident in that setting. So it's just about understanding like the players. And like I said, it is a captain's and vice captain's role, but now I feel as a player and somebody who's played a few of these, like my role did change slightly different and did become more of You know, I wasn't just going to sit with the people that I felt comfortable with. Like I would sit with some of the girls that maybe I hadn't really spoke to that much just to, you know, and and they just kind of sit there and they're like, oh, because I am probably one of the most, like the more louder ones in the the team room. And, you know, so I kind of just sat down and, and they're like, oh, and then immediately they just become a little bit more comfortable. And I think honestly that that's our winning formula is that there's no individual, like we literally do, it's very cliche, but we literally do become A team. Like we have to because the American girls are so good and so strong as a team. Um, like individual players are so good and they're always on paper gonna be better than us. Like we have to create something else to if we've got any chance of beating them.
0: If I hate I always hate doing this, but I'm wondering if you would come up with the same comp that I would. If you were to compare your team, you and Leona. To any duo on the uh, the European men's side, who who would each of you be? Because I have, I think I have good comps for both of you.
3: I have no idea. I'm intrigued to see what you say. I've, I literally have no idea.
0: I was gonna say she was like she was like the Rory uh, uh, in the pairing from like 2012, mm-hmm. and you're like Poulter. like you oh, really? you're a, <laughs> you're just like a dog in match play, and like I would not want to play against you. And there's something about that event that inspires something within you that. <laughs> Like, you just get that look in your eye, and I, I would not want to face him. That's what I felt like watching you.
3: Yeah, a few people actually have, have kind of compared me to Poulter, but, um, yeah, he's got a, little, a much better record than me. But, a personality-wise, during a, like him in a Ryder Cup, and me and a Solheim is actually very similar. So, yeah, I mean, I'll take that. I think he's one of the best, or he is one of the best Ryder Cup players that ever played. so I'll take that. But, um, yeah, you're pretty spot on But it's funny, like, now, like, seeing Leona now, she, I mean, she's just grown so much, like, in her own skin. It's it's really cool to see. Like, Solheim literally, it didn't necessarily change her. It just brought out the actual personality in her. Like, it's really, really cool to see her during, like, normal weeks now, like, how open she is and how much more confident she is. And, yeah, I mean, it's just really, really cool to see.
0: You were, tell us about your uh, experience, one, as assistant captain, how you, how the, the original phone call you got asking if you wanted to be an assistant captain, and I'm wondering how that uh, how that experience evolved into, you know, you you playing the next time around, if you felt the role as kind of playing assistant captain, as, as, as you've described it, that's kind of the, the idea I was getting.
3: Yeah, so I got the phone call, I mean, I kind of, once you're always a pick, like, you really should not expect to be picked, in my opinion, like, because if you expect to be picked, like, you kind of up for disappointment. So she calls me, um, I remember being at my friend's house and she was like, hey, you know, you would have been my 13th player. And I was like, oh, sick. Like just didn't even, it didn't even recognize in my head that that meant that I wasn't in. And I was like, oh, cool, I won't let you down. And she's like, no, no, like you were our 13th player. And I'm like, what do you mean? I was like, oh, wait, there's only, I don't know why. I just had a bit of a blonde moment. I was like, oh, okay. Right, there's only 12 players. Okay, cool. And then she's like, but we would, we would love you to be, to come over and be an assistant captain. And I was like, yeah, no, I don't think so. Yeah. Anyway, really appreciate your phone call. Thank you. And I just said, bye, put the phone down. And then I literally spent three minutes just sitting there and I rang my brother and I was like, Hey, Beanie's me to be assistant. And he was like, Oh my God, that's awesome. Like, that would be so good for you. And I was like, really? I was like, I feel like it's, he said, that's just your ego talking. Like just shut up and do it. So I like called her back and I was like, hey, Beanie, like, what's up? Really sorry. um, But yeah, I mean, I would love to and, you know, I'll do all I can to be the best assistant captain. And that was kind of my mindset was just trying to be the best assistant captain that I could be and try and support Beanie and and basically try and get the girls as prepared as possible. And honestly, it was like a really cool experience. Obviously, I wanted to play. Of course, I did. On the first tee, I got a bit teary. I was like, I wish I was the one teeing it up. But It taught me so much about the Solheim, like about everything that goes on around it in regards to the captaincy and the assistants and the backroom staff and the LET, everything that they do. And it just gave me a whole new appreciation for it. And honestly, I think that that's why I took on a different role last year at Inverness, because I'd kind of taken on that role as an assistant captain. And then it kind of just fed through even when I was playing in Inverness. So it was honestly, it was probably one of the best things that ever happened to me.
0: For those that maybe didn't watch it um, last last fall, which one, I would say you missed out, but two, take us to, you guys are playing uh, Jennifer Cupcho and Lizette Salas on Saturday afternoon, 18th hole. Uh, take, us, take us to the final hole.
3: Yeah, so I basically not played well all day, so Leona had probably the sorest back ever. And then, so she, she I think we kind of had a similar yardage, and I was like, are you just going to go 20 feet right? And she was like, yeah. And I was like, okay, cool. And everyone was like, oh, it got lucky, it pitched. We were actually playing for the fringe. Like, I had to smoke, I think it was a nine iron or something or whatever it was, I can't remember, but I had to smoke this thing to even get it to the fringe. Like, I think it was 144 or something, and I hit my nine iron like 140. But we knew an A time was going to be too much. And as soon as I hit it and I saw it kind of draw, I was like, oh, my God, this is either this is either plugged in the face of the bunker or it's stiff. And as soon as I hit it, I was like, please, please just let me do something in this match and i did get lucky like hit the fringe but that's that's the only way we could have got close and we knew the two girls were gonna one of them was gonna make par i knew leona was gonna make par so we had to make a birdie yeah i mean honestly it was one of the best shots i've ever hit in under the circumstances so but yeah leona literally carried us that whole match and then of course i go and do that on 18 so i get a little bit of credit but it's one of the best shots i've hit under them circumstances for sure
0: but that—that's the team aspect right there, though. I mean, you know, you, you're playing your role of of that's that's where the Poulter thing came in for me. It was like that shot was just cold blooded. Like, yeah, it didn't it didn't matter how you were playing all day to that point, and you to pull that off to get the half point. That's that's team golf right there.
3: Yeah, it was cool. It was really really cool.
0: Inverness, we mentioned that as a, as a future U.S. Women's Open venue, but what, what was it like competing on that golf course? Because it, it made me want to play golf, which is the strongest endorsement I could give it.
3: It's an awesome golf course. I mean, if anyone has the opportunity to play it, go play it. First and 10th tee right there. I mean, especially for like a Solheim Cup, because they did a big grandstand through 1 and 10. Like it was just, it was just an unbelievable atmosphere around that first and the 10th hole when you were coming through. But, you know, no hole is kind of the same. You've got to shape it. You've got to hit it left to right. You've got to hit it right to left. It's just, I was, when I first went there, um, we played a tournament there, I think, in 2020, just after COVID. I think it was our first event back, a drive-on event. And yeah, I was like, wow, this golf course is unreal. Like, I fell in love with it straight away. I, I had no idea it was, I had no idea really about Toledo golf. And it was honestly a, a really nice surprise. It's, yeah, like I said, if anyone ever gets an opportunity, like, definitely try and get on that track. It's cool.
0: It was. It felt like it was set up like as an audition for a U.S. Open, where they put some of those pins and how firm those greens were. Usually, the team events I feel like are a little bit more birdie mm-hmm. fest to get the crowd into it. But that uh, it was. It was set up tough. But reading an old article, uh, you before you ended up qualifying for it, you mentioned how much of a goal it was for you to become an Olympian, and you played in the Olympics last year in Japan. You achieved that goal. What was that experience? Everything that you were hoping it would be.
3: Yeah, I mean, honestly, like I wish. Team GB, we weren't allowed to go to any other event. I wish that I could have had some of my family there. I wish I could have had Carly there. I wish that I could have brought my coach out there. Like, we couldn't have any of that, which I found quite weird in a certain way because I was like, this is, you know, supposed to be like the the pinnacle of sport and we can't even, I can't even have one coach here. Like, that to me was a bit odd, but just being at the Olympics and being around other athletes was like someone who grew up playing multi-sports. Like, that was, I never thought I would ever play and Olympics being a golfer. And so to actually have that opportunity and to go and play in an Olympics was by far like one of the coolest experiences. And like the cool thing about it, right? So this is one of the, so <laughs> the food hall is the biggest thing you've ever seen. Like right? it's huge, it's massive. And whatever food you want, it's available 24 seven. There's different stations everywhere. And I just loved watching what other athletes ate. Like you get these big bodybuilders, like these huge guys, and they've got like a 16 egg omelet and like four chicken breasts for breakfast. And you just like, I, I was just fascinated. I mean, I think I'm in shape. I mean, literally these, these athletes are just insanely in shape. I mean, it's just, it, it's incredible. Like it almost, I almost worked out too much during that week because I just like, I was one. Like, I didn't want to need to get in shape more, but two, I just wanted to like train with all these athletes. So we had a separate gym, Team GB, and just to train with all these athletes. I just, this is awesome BMX guys squatting what they were squatting I was like this is just like everything about it was just I was in awe of and honestly it just gave me a whole new appreciation for how hard these athletes work and we're very fortunate that we can earn money at what we do 90% of these athletes really don't like I was talking to a bunch of the hockey girls and they were telling me like what their grant is and I was like and they're like, "Yeah, you know, we've we've trained for this for four years," and I'm just like, "That it was just a new, it was very humbling to be honest. It was just a new appreciation for for any kind of Olympic sport." To be honest,
0: I don't know how to ask the question without without spoiling the story. But tell us about the, like what it was like for Team GB, or, or where you where you were staying in the village when when uh, somebody would come back from a from a successful event.
3: Oh, so we so it was obviously like everyone gets up for it, so. They walk in, I've no idea who they are. They've just got a gold medal around their neck and everyone's just cheering and then you're chatting to them. And so this was the thing. So where our block was, was right by the Olympic rings in the village. And so when people finish their event, they just get hammered. There was literally a party every single night and like you you couldn't sleep. It was almost so loud outside. Like they've got loads of music on, like everyone's boozed up, like they haven't drank in like four years. So everyone's absolutely hammered after like one Bud Light. And so they're all just like, they're jumping in the the water and all this stuff. And so that was the only tricky thing was like, we definitely didn't get adequate sleep, but whatever. I mean, it's Olympic Games and these guys have just won a gold medal. So, and and girls have just won a gold medal. So allow, but yeah, I mean, it was just carnage. Like when they come in with, it was just cool just to see all these medals just walking in. And you're just like, that's so cool. Like these guys have given up their whole life to do this and they did it. They are the best at what they do in that given day. And it was just, it was just really, really cool to
0: see. Another weird question to ask, and I don't know how to ask, but uh, it's, it's widely circulated how much there is uh, activity between the other athletes in the <laughs> Olympic Village. Was it like that? Was it like that, uh, it, you know, it, with it, in this weird COVID Olympics? Did you experience any of that? Not, I'm not saying you, but did you see that going on in any other locations?
3: So Des, my my caddy at the time, I think he's put on his Tinder profile. He's a two-time Olympian. And I'm like, okay, right. I know where this is going. So... He was like, I'm 100%. There's no way I'm not getting laid this week. Like, I'm just, I, I've, got, I've got to. Like, it's the Olympic Games. And I was like, okay. And even he can get laid. So I think the COVID restrictions were a little bit more. I mean, he can't get laid at the best of times. But that was, if he was ever going to get laid, it was going to be that week. So poor buddy. But yeah, I mean, I didn't, I don't think it's been as bad because I think they tried to restrict it a little bit. Obviously, they didn't want people, like we had security outside our blocks, right? Like you couldn't get in without your credential. But yeah, poor Desi was his one week and
0: no maybe maybe in 2024 it's right around the corner
3: yeah so. three-time olympian then winning on his <laughs> tinder profile <laughs>
0: Um, one, one of the things that I read in your email exchange with Sean Zock at golf.com, it seemed like, uh, you know, there, there's, there's maybe some frustration that maybe you share with me in terms of the lack of crossover between the men's and the women's game. I'm wondering if you could provide uh, any perspective on that one, how that would be ideas for for how there could be more crossover or more support and what that would, uh, what, what kind of effect that would have on you guys.
3: Yeah, I mean, listen, we do get some guys speak up for us, of course. And like, I'm not saying that we need to have guys speak up for us, but it's, it's definitely happening more now. Like I heard, you know, Hovland talk about Suzanne Pedersen the, last week at the PGA. And like, that too is just really cool to hear because, you know, you've got Andy Murray in tennis who openly speaks up about equality, you know, for the women in, in his sport. And, you know, I, it's fa- it was actually really cool. Like, obviously I got on really well with Tommy and, and I know Paul anyway, but it was really cool to get to know Tommy. Great, great dude. And I was telling him some of the stuff that we have to deal with on tour. And he just was like, wait, what? And it's just, like, interesting. And so, look, we would love the guys to kind of speak up about us a little bit more. But I think that they've started to. And, you know, supporting us, like, with the LPGA hoodies, a bunch of the guys wore them, which was amazing for us as well. Like, this is kind of aside from that. But, like, I think the Olympics would be a really cool thing to do a mixed event. I think, like, playing a stroke play event is so boring for an Olympic Games. Because if you're 30th, this I mean, what are you playing for? Unless you're top three, it doesn't really matter. So at the end of the day, I really think that it should, it was a great opportunity to be a mixed event and I would love to see that change in the future. Like, I just think it'd be sick if, you know, if you did have Charlie and and Tommy playing together and John Rahm and Carlotta, like, I just think things like that, it would be so good for for our sport. And I just, you know, they they did that with golf sixes. Like me and Carlotta were a team for golf sixes and Charlie and Georgia were another team. And both the girls team got through to the final 16 playing against all the guys. And I think it just goes to show like, you know we're also really good you know the guys obviously are very good but we're also really good and I think it's just it's about opening eyes right it's just about getting more eyes on our game and and the guys can certainly help us with that but I definitely do think that the guys are, are certainly speaking up for us a little bit more and you know we can't say how grateful we are for that like it, they don't understand how much of a difference that makes to us like it's so cool to hear them talk about us it's just you know that's we always talk about them like it's it's really nice for them to to, you know, give back that exchange. So it's
0: nice. I think there's different levels of support too. I remember we interviewed Pernilla and she had, she had mentioned like, Hey, Justin Thomas sent out a tweet, just highlighting that Michelle Wee was playing this week. And then he was excited for that. She's like, I, you have no idea how much that like means to us, yeah. I was like, man, that is, that is the minimal amount of, th- and I'm, I, you know, that's the minimal amount of investment needed. And I'm, I'm, we've been screaming for president's cup or, or whatever to become a mixed event. I just mm-hmm. think there's so much potential when it comes to, um, you know crossover team events with with the, with the men and women that can display skills and be incredibly entertaining for people to watch and um, I can just just hope that there's there's some kind of hope for that somewhere in the future I'd love to hear some some men's players speak out for something like that and, and be interested in doing something like that but uh, no
3: I agree I think it'd be awesome you know I think it's definitely gonna happen in the future I just hopefully it's when I'm still playing but I mean I think it Honestly, I just think for the whole sport of golf, it would just be great. Like, I really do. I think it would be really, really cool just to get the new eyes on the game, you know, from both perspectives. Like, I just think it would be really – I just think it would be amazing, amazing thing for, for golf in general.
0: That's what – Yeah, gosh, we didn't even get to talk about uh, – you, you guys have, have pine needles coming up here, and then you also got brand new congressional at the end of the month with the, yeah. with the KPMG Women's PGA and – gonna be an exciting summer on, on the women's side i'm really excited to see it so with that we'll let you uh we'll let you i'm not going to send you back to the range you've gotten plenty of practice <laughs> in today we're not we're not yeah, doing hands that are done.
3: hands are done <laughs> today
0: but uh best of luck this week at the u.s women's open we'll be following along and uh, we appreciate your time as always Mel.
3: no i appreciate it always fun to be on with you guys so thank you so much
0: be the right club be the right club today
1: yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's better than most. How about in? That is better than most. Better than most!
2: <laughs> Expect